Hello, and welcome back to Lessons in Product Management. I'm your host, John Fontenot, and I'm glad to be back with you for another great conversation. The number of you listening and subscribing to the show keeps growing. So first, I wanted to say thank you. And second, if this is your first time listening, welcome in. I'm glad you're here. There's a lot of great content and many great guests who will be joining us this year. So be sure to subscribe or follow on whatever app you're listening on so you don't miss an episode. And hey, if you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review. I'd love to hear from you and get feedback on how we're doing. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Pranav Desai, Chief Product Officer at Reputation. We covered a ton of ground in the 30 minutes or so that we talked. So don't feel bad if you have to listen twice just to take it all in. You're going to hear us talk about why one customer's feedback isn't the end-all be-all for decision-making, why products should own voice to the customer, how to balance quantitative data with qualitative, how to distinguish between signals and noise, and so much more. This is Lessons in Product Management. Let's get started. Hey, Pranav, welcome to the podcast. Hey, John. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So before we kick off, could you give the, the listeners a, a brief background of yourself and, and what you're doing today at Reputation? Sure. So I, hey, hey, I'm Pranav Desai. I'm the Chief Product Officer for Reputation, and I've been here for almost five years at this point. A good amount of my last 10 years have been spent in managing products that help you measure customer sentiment and more broadly voice of the customer and how you can leverage that to improve your products and services. And I'm hoping we can dive into some of that today as well. Really curious to to dig into your background on on customer sentiment and customer experience. Um, First things, for, for the listeners who may be familiar with the terms, but don't exactly know why we should measure it, right? Like, shouldn't we just build products and people adopt them? Like, why should we care about customer sentiment? But what would you say to them? Yeah, so at this point, uh, everyone in product management and in product-related activities knows that measuring what customers are doing is super important. A lot of us invest in tools like Amplitude or Mixpanel for analytics, for, for tools like Full Story for session replay. But what that ends up missing is that qualitative aspect to why your users are doing what they're doing. And, and that's where a voice of the customer or a sentiment analysis becomes super important. On the flip side, there are certain activities, especially when you're starting your journey, when you're doing customer discovery, where qualitative trumps quantitative data. You want to be talking to customers. You want to be measuring how they feel about certain topics. And so that is where the sentiment aspect again comes into play. The first thing that jumps out to me when, when we think about sentiment and hearing like how people are experiencing your product firsthand um, is around retention, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe signs of potential churn or maybe a candidate for someone who might be upsold more easily on the flip side of that. Um, Maybe you could dive into a little bit of of that first and and then maybe look at things that it benefits outside of those things. Sure. Um, so as, as you rightfully pointed out, retention is how most voice of the customer programs came into focus. And so I'm looking back 10 years, uh, there was this whole concept around market research, which gave birth to voice of the customer. And the idea there was you want to prevent churn from happening. You want to identify promoters so you can upsell them. And at that point, uh, the goal was to measure uh, customer sentiment on an annual basis and 
if you found detractors, you would want to open up service recovery with them and make them into promoters. Obviously, it has evolved since then. And what we are now looking at is not just that retention piece, but also the growth piece. When you're measuring customer sentiment on an ongoing basis, it gives you a chance to dive into well, what else is it that they are using? What are the other jobs to be done? Where are the areas for expansion? And where are areas for complete pivots that can be enabled using an approach like that? Yeah, no, I, I love that because really it's like, it's the qualitative insights that, that give us or uncover the, the unknown unknowns, right? Or, or lead to those insights that the, the current state of quantitative data might not tell us, right? Because it's historical in nature versus, um, I wouldn't say predictive, but maybe indicative of, of what the trends are becoming or what people are expecting in the market that maybe you're not providing. 100%. And, and there are also segments like B2B uh, where a certain segment of your users will use your product because that has been mandated to them. Doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're loving your product. And so if you're using pure analytics only, those users show up in your product funnels. Those users are carrying out activities. However, they've been having a torrid time using your product. And so the moment they have an option to look at another vendor, they're gonna churn out. So this is where the sentiment part comes in. Uh, it will avoid you from having lots of false positives, which typical analytics tools will derive. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen like in the B2B case, right? Where you have the buyer that's different from the user and the buyer's like, oh, it has everything I need. Great. Let's let's uh, sign on the dotted line. And then the, the, the actual users hate it. And eventually that bubbles up to the decision maker and, and they you see churn. But like, like you said, it... Um, a lot of false positives can come up unless you're able to measure those, those qualitative indicators. Yeah, and, and, and sentiment analysis or voice of the customer analysis is not limited to doing surveys, is not just limited to looking at, at what your open-ended comments on review sites like G2 are, are saying. Mm -hmm. It could be broader than that, right? It could be, hey, let me just talk to customers and as a product manager, figure out what is happening with them. Let me talk to users, more importantly, and figure out what's, what's happening with them. Let me look at an ideation portal, see what kind of ideas are being derived. And the goal of all of us product managers is to connect the dots, right? Your customers are going to give you lots of uh, directionality in the form of dots, uh, good PMs. Uh, join the dots, great PMs, anticipated, anticipate the unknown unknowns and potentially the dots that nobody else can see. I, I agree 100%. And, and I, I can imagine because a, a lot of PMs default to this question, so I'm going to ask it and let you um, share your philosophy on it. But typically when we talk about things like voice of the customer or sentiment analysis or really any topic, we want a framework or we want some type of like tool that's the silver bullet of all tools. But what is it? What is your philosophy when it comes to collecting customer sentiment or understanding the voice of the customer? Yeah, and all great question. So, so look, Reputation is a feedback to action company, and so we collect both solicited and unsolicited feedback from review sites like G two, from customer feedback surveys, from social media, and so for us, it's converting all of that feedback into action. But if you're just starting out, if you just want to get started from a, with a crawl approach and a crawl walk run, I would say just start asking your customers one-on-ones on, on phone calls. It's a low-cost approach, doesn't require a tool. 
they put in a bug uh, in your Jira portal or they reach out to support and say they're unhappy with something, reach out to them. All it takes is a 15, 20 minute discussion to decipher what that sentiment is, to decipher what it is that they're feeling about your product. And if you get enough of those conversations going where you know that there are certain themes that are starting to emerge, yes, there's time to invest in a in a feedback program. There are tons of feedback programs today that will allow you to collect feedback, including reputation, there is Pendo. So there's an, enough of those tools that will allow you to collect feedback in the platform. More importantly, do not rely on collecting feedback only from the buyers. Have that feedback prompt inside your products so that customers can easily provide you feedback. And, and the good news is I'm starting to see a lot of brands that you would not have expected start collecting feedback right within their apps, right? Brands like Vanguard uh, are now starting to embed uh, feedback buttons and they've been doing that for a few years at this point. And so it is becoming mainstream. That's your walk approach. If you truly think about running, that's where you're looking at that unsolicited feedback, feedback that customers are leaving on channels like Twitter, feedback that comes through on sites like G2. Why is that important? Because it's unsolicited. If somebody is a promoter while being unsolicited, those are the kind of customers where you want to understand what is that persona? Is that persona representative of who I am building my products for? And if so, what can I do to help bolster that persona even more? If it's a detractor or somebody who's not happy with you, uh, you want to understand, well, what is it that I'm doing that I'm unhappy, what that makes them unhappy? Are they in my target segment? If they are, how do I recover them? If they are not, then how do I ensure that I don't get dragged down into the hole of solving for that non-target customer where I build features that will only solve for a local maxima, not provide a global maxima? I love that you called that out because I've, I've seen executives freak out over like a one-star review or somebody bashing the company or the product on Twitter or, or whatever and saying, oh, we got to fix this thing, but then not stop to realize that, you know, that person's not who you targeted in the first place, right? And there, there may have been a, a misperception or a misfit from your product to their job to be done. And John, I think, I think the place where product management and us product managers have fallen short in the past is not owning those voice of the customer programs that effectively own the users, right? That effectively measure the users. What I mean by that is if you or your group, especially with the advent of product ops, this starts to become a little more manageable and scalable. Otherwise it's super difficult for product managers to do this. But if you have even a single person who is helping with product ops, what that person can enable is this ability to run a voice of the customer program where your group is the one, the product group is the one that's reporting on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis. And when you own the program, when you're responsible for everything that comes in, you get to showcase why a certain review matters, why a certain review doesn't matter. What will win you more points is credibility. When somebody is in your target segment and gives you a one star, Owning that up will build so much credibility for you within the C-suite that when that inevitable non-targeted one star comes in and you say, this is not the ideal persona we want to go after, people will give you that extra space. It is super difficult to buy that space if you're not running the program or if you're not being transparent. So that is those are two things that I would definitely advocate teams to start doing. Absolutely. 
I know some companies still have like customer success or like a support team running voice to the customer. Um, you don't have to convince me. I completely agree product should own it. But like, what, what is what is your advice to maybe a head of customer success or a CEO out there who's trying to determine where does this live? Yeah, great question. So we do have our customer success team running surveys, but those are more around uh, loyalty. Those are more around buyers and not users. We have customers, the scale of where you will have 25,000 users logging in uh, from that single customer. And you cannot measure the attitudes of those 25,000 users by just surveying the buyer or by just surveying your power users. And so we strongly believe in having a bifurcated approach where the customer success team obviously looks at the loyalty retention aspects from a buyer or power user perspective, but we want to survey the users in the field, those 25,000 users at a single customer who are logging in every month and, and using the app. We want to understand what is it that makes them happy? What is it that can help us improve? So we, we have been able to carve out this uh, this gap and happy to expand further into some strategies that have helped helped us achieve that as well. But one of the things that I take from that advice is if if you have an organization where customer success really like owns voice of the customer today and product wants a, a seat at the table, so to speak, or at least start start to make inroads into taking ownership or, or being more part of it. Um, would you take it more as a, hey, let's do this together approach or like, how would you approach that? A hundred percent. And remember, uh, most product and engineering teams, when I call, call them collectively as product, have the power of the user database, of the ability to use a warehouse. And so when surveys come in, the biggest issue with surveys is the metadata required to actually slice and dice and understand, well, what is it that is comprising my detractors or people who are unhappy? And so that level of metadata resides in our platforms, right? And so things like how many times has the user logged in? How, how much time do they spend in the app? All of that resides in our, our warehouses. So participate, uh, pa partner. And when you do that, you get to come to the table with a lot of value by saying, hey, you can initiate the survey program. This is what we'll provide. That'll also give you the opportunity to go, hey, there are 25,000 users at this company. You're surveying 10. I want to expand the program. You don't have to break your survey program. Let us partner by doing this survey prompt inside the app. But you have the technical tools that most customer success tools um, and teams uh, still lack today. 100%. I, th I think it is powerful to, to even offer that up as saying like, how, how can we leverage the, the tools and the insights that we have to help you improve? And the only way we can do that is by having access to, to this type of feedback as well. Yeah, and at Reputation, what we have done is we're starting to build uh, a, a score for our customers uh, with the help of our data science teams, where what we bring to the picture is, is as I mentioned, the metadata uh, activity scores, how many, how many users exist and so on and so forth. We create an activity score around all of that, those metrics, and we pass it on as one of the inputs to this broader score that we want to create for our customer success teams. So that's the advantage of having a data science team within your company. The customer success team can then partner with you really effectively and, and leverage some of that. 
And if it makes their life easier, if it makes their job easier, guess what? They will definitely want to partner up. So, uh, you know, I see a lot of content out on, on the internet, LinkedIn, et cetera, talking about the need to be a data-driven product manager. And, and I, I think a lot of aspiring PMs or, or newer PMs default to quantitative data, right? And then on the other side, you have folks that overcorrect because they understand the need for qualitative and, and really emphasize qualitative data. Um, how, how would you articulate the, the value of balancing the two together? Yep. So, so first off, I think uh, there's no denying the fact that there's a lot of value in collecting quantitative data, especially if your product or market is mature, then you know that quantitative data is going to give you a lot of directionality, especially if it's a B2C or focused offering. Quant data will give you a lot of insights into uh, how experiments are going and how experiments are, are working. The qualitative aspect comes in when you want to understand what is it, what it is that is causing you to completely come to a standstill with quantitative data. So like I give, gave you the example earlier, right? Uh, you have a bunch of users who are logging in every day, doing the tasks, doing the tasks in, a, in the right time. And yet the customer has decided to now chill in. There is just no way to understand why that has happened unless you're looking at qualitative data. In the same way, from a balancing out perspective, the, the right balance is basically looking at those quantitative data segments and potentially marrying them up with a qualitative score like an NPS or a likelihood to recommend. And the benefit that gives you is as you start slicing that data to understand well, where in the funnel are people dropping off, you instantly have a qualitative score telling you what's happening. And so within that space, if that qualitative score, if that likelihood to recommend score or the sentiment is positive, guess what? You know where you need to now focus your attempts. The attempt has to be focused more on the user experience or removing the friction in the journey side. It has nothing to do with how they are feeling right now in terms of uh, in terms of you as a company or you as a brand. Yeah, super interesting. Well, one, one of the thoughts I had as you were talking about like these these insights from G2 or for, from Twitter, and, and you're trying to understand whether it's representative of your target audience, right? Like one of the, the thoughts I had around balancing qualitative and quantitative is, well, what if it's the first time you've heard that from somebody in your target market? And then like you go off and try to quantify whether that's an actual pain more broadly. Um, 100%. Yeah. Um, so to me, uh, these are signals. And so... Mm-hmm. If you take quantitative signals, you can basically use something that you see from a funnel analysis to start doing qualitative uh, research and asking customers, whether it's in person, on a Zoom, or, or using a survey, depending on how many people you need to access in order to ascertain an outcome. Um, but on the flip side, if you did get that one-star review, and the customer is talking about frustration with certain parts of the application, that's where a session replay tool, that's where a quantitative tool like Amplitude, or even if you're good with SQL, <laughs> SQL uh, analysis will, will help you out a lot because you can then understand if, if this is an outlier. My main point around this is do not stop at getting the outcome measured in that quantitative tool. Even if it's a SQL query that tells you, yep, this is not happening to everyone else. This is happening to this one user only. 
the right approach for product organizations is to reach out to that customer and the user and try to have a conversation with them. Remember, we always, in product management, we always believe people don't know what they want. They just know their problems. And I think it applies to their frustrations as well. People don't know why they are frustrated with a certain product or a feature. They just know that they're frustrated when trying to do an activity. Yep. And you as a product manager, this is a golden opportunity to just get on a call because somebody was passionate enough to leave you feedback. And those passionate users are always going to be vocal. You got to tap into that vocal minority and understand why they are unhappy. I can't agree more. So as, as, we're, as we're wrapping up, I have a couple more questions for you. One, I'm sure that the listener right now is, is getting really excited if they're not currently measuring sentiment or voice of customer. And they probably want a little direction on, okay, I know that you mentioned some tools. I know reputations out there. I know kind of the more scrappy crawl version of this. Um, how often should, should I be measuring it? So we do it uh, on a quarterly basis. We, we have a okay. platform with multiple products. So we do it on a quarterly basis to not inundate our customers. To me, you should at least be doing it once every six months because quite honestly, your roadmaps and your vision potentially is most validated for the six month timeframe. Nobody can see out far away from that. And so if you think about building features uh, in that way, you have to think about sentiment in the same way. If you wait for a year, you're either going to run into churn or exogenous circumstances will mean that users don't behave the same way uh, that they were behaving today. So measure it at least once every six months. Ideally, have a channel open so that a user can at any given point, and I emphasize the word user, right? A user at any given point can actually click on a button called feedback, or go to an idea portal or better yet, send an email to product management at company.com and just tell you, hey, it would be great if you guys added this functionality. You want to hear from such users. I love that. So to, to wrap up, I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, um, to put reputation on a pedestal. So what, um, what would you say differentiates reputation from the competition and, and what, what gets you excited about working in product for, for reputation? Sure. There's this maniacal focus on understanding not just the quantitative data, as I mentioned, but also understanding sentiment. Mm -hmm. and, and this runs across the company. So everyone from the CEO to the product team to the chief customer officer, who you would expect to look at this customer sentiment is, is very closely observing not just surveys, but also feedback on other sources like uh, social, uh, Twitter, uh, G2, uh, user activity inside the product. So there's this consistent attention to, hey, are we doing the right things by our customers? And, and are we making the right moves in order to augur growth? And so that is something that I strongly believe knock on what I've lugged into. Uh, it's not often that you run into companies that have this focus on the user, the customer. Um, on, the, on, the, on the growth side, I strongly believe that has been responsible for our growth because a lot of times we'll often hear from customers who will say, wow, we were just going to reach out to you with a request for this feature when we talk about a particular feature. And, and they say, yeah, we had a problem. This is exactly solving the problem. And for me, it's always been the case that when you're solving the right problem at the right time, 
as you bring that problem up to a customer, they will be running into something very similar. And that is a signal to you. Uh, and obviously confirmation bias, please beware, but that is a signal to you that you're working on the right problem. And so reputation with reputation, it has happened four or five times over in the last four to five years when we worked on a big problem. And there was the exact same problem that the customer was looking to solve or a segment of customers was looking to solve. That's awesome. That's a really good success story. Um, and I love, I love hearing about the, the reputation product and it, it gets me really excited about trying to go promote it inside of my company now. <laughs> so, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, Pranav. Uh, thanks, here, thanks for coming on and um, thank, thanks for just the, the way you've articulated things. I've really enjoyed hearing how you talk about not only sentiment analysis, but, but product as, as a whole. So, uh, so thanks for the conversation. Yeah, happy to. John, it has been a pleasure. And uh, I'm always available if you want to learn more about the reputation platform as well. We would love to partner up and, and share some of the learnings that we have had with your community as well. Let's take you up on that. That was Pranav Desai, Chief Product Officer at Reputation. Thank you again for joining the conversation today. And if you haven't done so yet, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're a longtime listener and want to help support the show, you can click the link in the show notes to become an official Lessons in Product Management sponsor for only 99 cents a month. And a huge thank you to everyone who's already supporting the show. Well, that's it for today, but be sure to tune in next week as we share more Lessons in Product Management.